on today. I'm in a series called Love Is. Everybody say Love Is. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 4 through 8. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 4 through 8. We've been saying this as our foundational scripture uh, for this entire series. Has this series been blessing your life? Um, verse 4 says, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. On today, I want to preach from this subject in mind. Love is hopeful. Love is hopeful. Um, ladies and gentlemen, the course and quality of your life and your year is going to be largely determined, I want you to hear this, by how you handle what you don't see coming. Still on the slow bus this morning, let me say that one more time. The course and quality of your life and your 2019 is largely going to be determined by how you handle what you don't see coming. And I'm telling you right now, something is coming 2019 that you don't see coming. It is illogical and unreasonable to expect to live through this entire year and not experience something that you never saw on your radar. You know how I know? It happened in 2018. It happened in 2017. It happened in 2016. And the satisfaction of life will be based on how you handle the surprises in life. There is something coming, ladies and gentlemen, that, that has the potential to take your joy, to take your peace, to even take your sanity. But I believe the power and the testimony, this is about for five of y'all in here, of your 2019 will be how that surprise came, but it did not conquer. Okay, all right. Uh, uh, I need somebody to look at your neighbor. Some of your neighbors too sleep. Don't look right past them. Look right past them. Don't say nothing to them. Look right past them and say, your testimony this year will be, it came, but it did not conquer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know who that is for, for that, but, but there's some of you that your testimony going to be, it came, but it did not defeat you. The storm came, but it didn't take you out because I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And my testimony is that it came, but it did not conquer me. Ah, uh, depression going to come, but it won't conquer me this year. Low, uh, feeling bad about myself going to come, but it ain't going to conquer me this year. And is there anybody in here that's made up in your mind, come hell or high water, I'm going to still be standing after the storms of life come, because it can come, but it will not conquer me. Okay. And in the, in the mindset that is needed to come out of a conqueror is wrapped up in one word. And that word is hope. Let the church say hope. Hope, hope unfortunately, gets a bad rap because we have equated it to something that it's not. Hope is not just wishful thinking. As in, I hope something will happen. But hope, watch this, is confident expectation. Mm. Hope is a firm assurance. Hope is that I believe that, that what God said he will do. I believe that what God said he will take care of for my future. It means that God made a promise and we put our trust in that promise and God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. In other words, if he said it, he will do it. So my confidence, my hope is in that God will fulfill his promise to me. Is there anybody in here that know you got some promises from God that you're waiting on and God has sent you in here for me to remind you, put your hope back in me, put your faith back in me, put your 
your trust back in me because if I said it, I'm going to bring it to pass. That's a good place to shout right there because some of you don't realize that I need to give God praise on credit because I don't see it yet, but he's such a God that he's going to do exactly what he said, so I ain't got to see it yet. I can praise him in advance before it even happened. Let me talk to this side because there's some of you that's waiting on God for something to happen in your life. God say, put a little praise on it now because I'm a man that I wouldn't lie. I ain't going to lie to you. I'm going to do just what I said. I need the people that got some promises from God that you waiting on to give God some praise in advance before it even happens. See, that's what my praise is all about. While your praise got to work through, you tired. <laughs> While your praise got to work through, I don't feel good. While your praise got to work through, well, I'm here. While your praise got to work through, well, why we got to clap and holler and scream and shout so much? While your praise got to work through the attitude you got right now, there's some of us that woke up and got a reminder that there's some promises out there with my name on it that haven't been fulfilled yet. And if I serve a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, if he did it yesterday, I'm looking for him to do it today. And if he don't do it today, he's such a God that he'll do it in my tomorrow. I need to know, is there anybody in here that can give God praise on credit that he made me some promises but I believe he will do just what he said I got some promises out there watch this and this is the thought that Paul is relying to us through this 14th characteristic of love 14th characteristic of love. Go back and count. This is the 14th characteristic of love. Because if you want to know what love is, you need to compare it to this verse we just read. Paul says, love hopes all things. Hopes all things means to look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. It means to look at the relationship with the view of the bright side of things. Somebody say the bright side. It means that the love you have is not pessimistic, but shows a godly optimism. It's a love that does not have a negative or critical spirit, but always positive and full of hope. Looked up this word, and this word depicts an attitude of a person, watch this, hear this, that is under a heavy load, but refuses to surrender to defeat. Because he knows he's in his place. <sighs> Jasmine, that messed me up. Because when I thought about it, <laughs> maybe that's why we ain't got some hope in our relationship. Because we're not sure if we're in the right place. Oh, I'm coming for you this morning. Sit right there. Because this person knows she or he is where they're supposed to be and has decided that regardless of what tries to come against them, they're going to stay put and refuse to move. In other words, what it says is, yes, we're in a difficult season, but I'm not quitting because, you know what? Seasons change. Yes, we are having a little trouble, but I'm not giving up because I know this is what God called me to. In fact, like some of us, we made up in our mind, defeat just ain't going to be in my vocabulary. Okay, okay. I'm going to talk to about four of y'all over here. I need to know, is there anybody here that say, in 2019, defeat is not in my vocabulary. It's not a part of my definition. It's not a part of my defining who I am. Defeat is not a part of my vocabulary. Ain't no defeat in me. Watch this. Defeat is not in my vocabulary because I believe that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I'm sticking, I'm staying, and I'm standing. There go your three points right there. I'm sticking, I'm staying, and I'm standing. Watch this. And what tries to come against my future it won't happen. I refuse to quit. I refuse to give up. Ain't no give up in me. Ain't no give up. I need you to reach down your road and tell him, ain't no give up on this road. The devil is a liar. He who has begun a good work in us shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Ain't no give up around here. What you looking like failure for? Why you frowned up as if life is about to get the best of you? The devil is a liar. Is there anybody in here that's made up in your mind? The 
defeat will not be my definition. In fact, <coughs> this is what proves the quality of your love. Love is tested. Not in the moments of comfort and convenience. Love is tested in the times of challenge. And the quality of your love is proven when hope says, I refuse to quit and throw in a towel on you. In fact, doesn't know how to quit. You my child. I refuse to give up on you. You in jail, you still my child. Because I refuse to give up on you. You might work my nerves, but my love refuses to give up on you. Because I believe what is in you is worth the extent of my love. Y'all ain't hearing me this morning. So I am committed to be here. I'm committed to stay with you and work it out regardless of the cost and regardless of the time involved. I just, I just X'd out about 20% of y'all right there. Mm, because when you believe that it's the worth the extent of your love, we ain't quit. I'm here to stay. This is why the word hope also is used somewhere else. You know where this same word is used? Watch this. Come on, look at the screen. Hebrews 11, uh, verse number 1. Is it on the screen? Is it on the screen? Hebrews 11, verse number 1. Y'all know it. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Y'all been in church too long and if you don't know that scripture, you about to learn it today. Come on, let's say it again. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I might not see it yet, but my hope won't allow me to give up on it. I came to announce to somebody, you living in that apartment now, but don't you give up your hope. Hallelujah. I know you're on that job right now, but don't you give up your hope because there's something that's coming that's greater than what you live in right now. And if you give up your hope before time, you will never reach what God has for you. But I need you to grab your hand, the neighbor of your hand, shake it real good, and say, this ain't the time of giving up. This ain't the time of throwing a towel. This ain't the time of walking away. The devil is a lie. Get your hope back up and believe that God will do just what he said he's going to do. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I ain't even got no evidence of how I'm going to get this house. I ain't even got no evidence of how I'm going to come out of debt. I ain't even got no evidence of how my body's going to be healed. But God said something one day to me, and I refuse to give up my hope of what God spoke over my life. I need the people of God that got your hope to lift up your hands, open up your mouth, and give God praise like you know. I came to tell you this morning, um, you got to let hope in. Hope ain't something you get from somebody else. Hope is something you got to have for yourself. I can't pray you into hope. You got to let hope in. Um, I don't need you to pat your neighbor, pat yourself and say, let hope in. Well, pastor, here we go. How do we let hope in? How do we let hope in? Okay? I need you to hear this. Um, some of you, you're looking at your relationship right now. It's looking like it's falling apart. You got issues. You got problems. You're looking at your friendship circles. You're looking at your family circles. And you're wondering what's going to happen. Well, how's this going to work out? And I'm here to let you know you got to let hope in. But I want to give you four keys of how to let hope in. Because there are four things you need to do if you're going to let hope in. In your relationships, in your friendships, in your, in your church uh, family, how do you let hope in? Here's the first one. Watch this. Choose to transform instead of transfer. I'll, I'll wait you right there. Choose to transform instead of transfer. Okay. I need y'all to walk with me just for a minute. Because I got to work out this thought, okay? I got to work it out. If you're going to let hope in to your relationships, I want you to hear this. You can never minimize past wounds. Because past wounds determine current decisions. Touch your neighbor. Say, neighbor, you need to wake up right here. Because it's going to bless your life. Past 
past wounds determine current decisions. Because the reality is, I hate to tell some of y'all this, because, you know, I'm over it. Okay. Um, the reality is, your past is not your past if it's still impacting your present. And some of you are back to the future already and don't even realize it. Here we go. What happened in your past, if not dealt with properly, is more than likely crippling you from becoming who you were created to be. So the secrets nobody knows about, the broken marriage you went through, the sexual abuse you suffered, the divorce of your parents, the miscarriage you experienced, the bully who made your school years miserable, your overbearing critical parents, that stuff ain't dealt with. It will impede who you can, come, who you can become. In other words, if we don't learn to transform the pain into something productive and positive, we will just transfer it to another area of our lives. Okay. And, and here's the problem. Here's the problem. The awareness of our past doesn't always come easy because it's easier to live in denial than it is to face the truth. We are quick to intentionally bury emotions that make us feel ashamed or uncomfortable. And we start to confuse what we're feeling with what we think or have been told what we should feel. And what complicates it worse, people of God? Come here, let me talk to you, saints of God. What complicates it worse is when you come to church and give your life to Christ, the expectation becomes for you to act as if you got it all together. Can't nobody wear a mask like church people. I would say look at your neighbor, but don't worry about it. So you're told, if you read your Bible, watch this, you're told to read your Bible, wear your mask, put your best foot forward, look as if you're happy, but whatever you do, don't be a pain, don't be a burden, and don't whine. Watch this. But admitting pain and brokenness does not discount your salvation. Let me say that again, because you missed what I just said. Admitting pain and brokenness does not discount your salvation. Can I tell you something? That's why I came to Jesus in the first place. God help me. That's why I gave him my life in the first place. Because I found a power that can break every generational curse off my life. I found a power that could deliver me from hurt that I didn't even know was there. Is there anybody here that say, that's why I got saved in the first place? Because when I ran into Jesus, Jesus did something for me that I couldn't believe nobody else could do. That's why I gave my life to the Lord in the first place. Because since I found Jesus, he made me brand new. He picked me up and he turned me around. He placed my feet on a solid ground. He made me brand. He wrote my name in heaven and I've never been the same since. And is there anybody in here that say, I'm glad I found Jesus because when I found him, he started dealing with hurts and pains that I didn't even know was there. But when you don't deal with old wounds, hear this, injuries turn into shame. Shame is the sense that you are unacceptable because of something you did or something that was done to you. Shame is the person who thinks they don't belong because of something they did or something that has been done to you. And our response to shame can be summed up in the one word, hide. So we work hard to shake off the feeling of shame by minimizing it and covering up stuff. And what just happened? Instead of transforming, you just transferred. I'll give you the perfect example of this if you're still walking with me. Y'all still with me? The perfect example of when you refuse to transform and instead just transfer is the story of Hosea and Gomer. The Old Testament prophet. This, this story is not just about the troubled marriage of Hosea and Gomer because they had some trouble. I'm going to talk about it. And in, uh, it's about the troubled marriage, watch this, between God and his people. And what Hosea and Gomer shows us is that undealt with wounds will transfer into other areas in our relationship. 
So God gives Hosea. I need y'all to follow this story real quick because some of y'all don't know this story. It's in the Bible. Uh, God tells Hosea, the prophet, the preacher, the bishop, the one that stands before God and preaches to people. God tells Hosea and gives him, gives Hosea an unusual command. He tells Hosea, the prophet, um, go marry the prostitute named Goma. Goma was a prostitute, a whore, harlot. She was a woman of the night. She was a streetwalker. And God tells the preacher to go marry the prostitute. Now, Hosea is obedient and marries Goma. And over time, I need you to hear this, Hosea, the prophet, actually falls in love with Goma. But Goma, who never dealt with her past wounds, breaks Hosea's heart by going back to her former life and taking up with her former lover. God then commands Hosea, he tells Hosea, hey, prophet, your wife left you. Here's what I need you to do. Go find her. Listen to this. Woo her. And then buy her back. Ain't that some mess? I know y'all watching soap operas and you're watching everything Tyler Perry put out, but if you ever open up this Bible, you'll find some stuff in here that will blow your mind. God says, go find her, woo her, and then purchase her back. Now, she already belongs to you because that's your wife, but I want you to do the most ultimate thing. I need you to pay a price for her. Now, the question becomes, listen to this, how could a woman mess up a relationship with a man who wanted more from her than just sex? How could a woman leave the dream come true to go back to the nightmare she came out of? Have you ever asked yourself, why is it that abusive people go back to be abused all over again? The Bible calls it like this. It's, the Bible puts it like this. It's like a dog that returns to his own vomit. Why do you leave the comfort of that kind of love to go back to being used and abused? I got an answer for you. Do you want an answer? Because shame becomes an identity that drives us forward into self-abusive action. When you're ashamed of who you are and what you've done and the mistakes you've made, it drives you into self-abusive action. When you're not settled within yourself, it's easy for you to drink all the liquor. When you're not settled in who you are, it's easy for you to have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. When you're not settled in who you are and you carry a sense of shame about who you are, then it's easy for you to get high every other day. Because it's easy for you to be driven into self-abusive actions all over again. Shame blinds us to the miracle of love and forgiveness. So you become more comfortable being used and abused than being genuinely loved. Ain't that a mess? Sometimes no matter how good somebody treats you, you will never be able to see it. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever been with somebody that you showered all your love on them and gave you every piece of yourself and it still wasn't enough after all that you gave them? So honey, there's some people out there that no matter what you give them, they have a sense of shame on them that will drive them back into self-abusive relationships. And you got to ask yourself, do I have the power to love them even in the midst of all that? Ah, oh, because your identity is now tied to self-abusive actions actions. So let's talk so you push people out your life when you really want them to be there. I knew it was going to get quiet right there. Yeah. You abandon others because you don't want them to get the chance to abandon you. You build defense mechanisms into all your relationships to avoid being hurt. Because when hope stops, when transformation stops, the transfer will begin. But God is trying to get you and I to live our lives in the no regret zone. 
Touch your neighbor say, no regrets, no regrets, no regrets. Ah, uh, no regrets. See, the only way that hope can come in is you got to let go of all your regrets. When we let go of regrets, it no longer has power over us. When we let go of our regrets, we, we can hold on to hope. I need somebody in here to just holler three words. Somebody say, let it go. If there's a word that needs to be said, then say it to whoever you need to say it to. If there's a choice that needs to be made, then go ahead and make it. If there's something you need to quit, then go ahead and quit. Whatever you need to do, it's not too late. But you got to let go of the regrets so that you can hold on to hope. Ah, and be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You got to let go of the issues and the problems that you had and the mistakes that you made from years in the past. Yes, that was me. Yes, that's the mistakes I made. But guess what? That don't define who I am. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And now I'm not going to live with the regrets of yesteryear. I don't care if you got a picture of me doing it. I don't care if you got a video of me doing it. I don't care if you was right there with me. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I can't be held captive by that stuff that I did in yesterday. Is there anybody in here that say, I ain't going to live my life in the regrets. I made some mistakes. I missed the mark. I missed it over and over again. But I'm not living in the regrets of yesteryear. I'm moving into the newness of tomorrow. All right. So you got to choose to transform instead of transfer. Here's number two. Here's number two if you're going to let hope in. Choose to be okay with not being okay. Choose to be okay with not being okay. <sighs> Here's our struggle. Here's our struggle. Anything God leads us to do will initially involve some level of fear. Anything God leads us to do will initially involve some level of fear. And this is where many of us, watch this, walk away. When fear creeps in, we walk away. Relationship get a little nervous, let me walk away from it. When stuff don't go my way at the job, let me walk away. I'm going to get up out of here before they fire me. I ain't got no real folk. I'm going to talk to 1130 because they know how to talk back. Y'all sitting there playing. But I think one of the greatest fears, hear this, in relationships, hear this. I say this, I, okay, Edom, I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all, but we're about to go here, okay? I love y'all, but we're about to go here. One of the greatest fears in relationships, watch this. It's not the fear of infidelity. It's not the fear of being lied to. It's not the fear of, watch this. One of the greatest fears in, re in relationships is the fear of being found out. It's too deep for y'all. This is why, hear your pastor, this is why we spend so much time posturing and pretending to be someone we're not. Because we don't want to get found out about who we really are. So we spend so much time trying to cover the mistakes of our past that we truly don't even know who we are anymore. While we're being found out, we simultaneously long to be fully known and fully loved. And that's where the problem lies. Can I tell you why, why that's the problem? Here's why that's the problem. You are scared to be found out, longing to be fully known. You are fearful of being found out, longing to be fully loved. Here's the problem. This is why it causes so many arguments, uh, disruptions in relationships. Because you can only be loved to the extent you are known. Say la. I'm going to just let that settle in the room just for a minute. You can only be loved to the extent you are known. I can never understand for the life of me how church people can say nobody cares about this, but they never really show us who they really are. So we can only love to the extent of the superficial being that they show us who we are. 
touch three people around you and tell them, I really want to know you. 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 Yeah. You can only be loved to the extent that you are known. That's why Harold Melvin and the Blue Nose said, if you don't know me by now, you will never know me. Because sometimes we don't know you because of the fear of being found out is so strong in your life that it keep people, that you keep people at a distance. No matter how much somebody tries to care about you and love you, the inability for you to open up, then we can't reach out to get to where you are because you want to keep it all hidden because you're scared of being known but you want to be loved so bad I'm here to announce to the Freedom Church come out come out wherever you are stop trying to live this fake phony uh, we don't know who you are you're one person one day another person the next day we want to know who you really are because if I'm going to love you I want to love all of you I don't want to love a piece of you I don't want to love a part of you I want to love the good the bad the ugly I want to see you without your weave I want to see what you look like without all that extra I want to know what you really are no pull the covers back because at the end of the day God says we got to be naked and not ashamed and the only way that you can do that is you got to be fully known I'm in dangerous territory right now because the saints don't like this right here the saints don't like this right here and the sad part is most of you are hiding who you are behind church jargon and then you get mad at the people that are 100% this is who they are, as if they the problem. The reason why you don't like them is because they don't fit into your definition of what somebody should be. But your definition of who somebody should be is limited because you hidden yourself. I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to get you to choose to be okay with not being okay. Watch this. And this is why, hear your pastor, this is why silence is dangerous. How you doing? Fine. You mad? No. This is why silence is dangerous. Because silence always leads to more pain and guilt and festering on the inside. You know, I love coming to church. I love coming to church. And I love being in church because when I'm in church, I can see the Holy Ghost moving and working in people and doing all kind of wonderful stuff. And then I can see sometimes on your face the resistance to the Holy Ghost trying to peel back all the layers of what's going on with you. You can feel them in the room, but you're trying to sit there and try to be hard. You try to be so guarded with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're trying to be guarded with the one that knows your very next thought. You missed what I just said. You're trying to be guarded with the one that knows how you feel and you haven't even opened, it, opened up your mouth and uttered it out your mouth. And God is saying, why don't you just open up and stop being so silent and learn how to come to me and say, God, it's me struggling. It's me going through. It's me that's hurting. It's me that's in pain. It's me. See, that's why some of you, I can't understand how we make the altar open every single week. You catching hell. You struggling on the inside, but yet you remain in those seats. The devil is a liar. Sometimes I got to push past people and get to the altar and say, God, here I am. I'm laying myself out. I'm not okay. I don't feel good there's something wrong on the inside and I need you to do a work on me is there anybody in here that say I didn't come to church to play and I didn't come to church to put on and I didn't come to church to make myself seem like I'm somebody that I'm not I need to come to God and say God here I am work on me I need somebody in here to lift your hands and say God it's me I'm in pain I'm hurting I'm frustrated I'm worried about how this is going to work out I'm the one careful you'll get stuck in a religious routine you'll sing the songs serve in ministry attend bible study throw money in the offering and go through the routine but why go to the hospital and say there's nothing wrong with you here's here's a revelation what you conceal won't heal what you conceal won't heal going quickly. God says why don't you call it what it is? Say what it is. I want you to see this. Psalms 32 verse number 3 through 4. I'm going to go through this real quick. Before I confessed my sin I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life causing my life to be filled with frustration irrepressible anguish and misery. The pain never let up. 
for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life drained up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Go over to verse number five. Verse number five says this. Finally, I confess all my sins to you and stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. God says, you got to call that thing what it is. You can't sit up here and act like it ain't a problem. Can I tell you something? Church people know how to talk around stuff. I have an issue. I have a problem. And, you, and you know, I'm just going through something. That's so vague. Sometimes you got to be real and say, I'm catching hell in my house. I got a devil that's trying to attack my house. I got issues and problems on my job. And you got to be honest before the Lord and say, God, I need you to heal what hurts right there. I need you to... I need you to acknowledge the discomfort of your healing because you need, in order for you to be healed, you got to acknowledge what's really going on with you. I know I'm talking to a hard crowd this morning, but some of you need to get past the church face and put on the real face and lay yourself out before God and say, God, it's me. I'm struggling. I'm the one going through, and I need you to do a work in my life. Watch this. Um, I looked this up, and I didn't realize this. Do you know Jesus healed more lepers than anything in the Bible? When you look in the Gospels, you'll discover he healed more lepers than he healed blind people. He healed more lepers than he healed lame people. Watch this. Jesus healed a lot of lepers because at that time, lepers were people who were told that they were physically unacceptable. They had to stay away. When you became a leper, watch this, you had to stay away from your family, from your friends. You couldn't work. You lived off the street. You had to live with other lepers because you were declared unclean. You had to stay away. Hear your pastor this morning. And that's what pain tells you to do. Stay away. That's what disappointment tells you to do. Shut down. So we separate and seclude ourselves because of how we feel. And it tells us we are unacceptable. So let me stay away from everything and everybody. Am I talking to only Trinity girls this morning? I mean, has anybody ever just sat in the house and pulled the covers over your head? Wanting all life to just go away? Watch this. But being separated and secluded ain't going to work for your future anymore. That worked in your immature years of maturity. And God is saying now it's time to grow up. And you can't separate and seclude yourself any longer. Grab your neighbor by hand, shake it real good, and say, come out, come out, come out, come out, come out. Watch this. Luke 5, verse number 12 through 13. Look what the Bible says. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Well, we got something wrong right there. Because he wasn't supposed to be in the town. He was supposed to be away from everybody. But something on the inside of him said, push past what they told you. To get what you need. When Jesus saw, when, when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately, somebody say immediately, the leprosy left him. Notice this, the condition led to a confession and a confession led to a connection. Let me re rewind that. The condition led to a confession, and a confession led to a connection. When you make up your mind that it's okay not to be okay, Jesus can do a work that couldn't be done any other way. When the leper confessed, I have a problem, I have a need, I, have, I need help, are you willing to make me clean? Jesus answered, be clean, because with his touch, Jesus not only heals the man of his disease, but he also reintroduced him to the community. He made him socially acceptable again, and this is what happened when we confess. God brings us up out of isolation and brings us into integration. Jesus touched the untouchable to bring us out of hiding, to bring us out of seclusion, to bring us out of our head, to bring us out of how we feel so that we can get around the fellowship of the saints and get what we need. Is there anybody in here that say, when I'm struggling, I'll need you to sit, let me sit at home. I need you to blow my phone up and say, if you don't get your, your, your hips back in church, if you don't get yourself back in the house of God, what 
what's, what's going on with you? Come on, let's pray this thing through. You got to have some friends that know how to get you to Jesus when you're going through what you're going through. Here's number three. If you want hope in, you got to choose to trust rather than please. I'm going to lose 99% of my grandkids. Because our concept of relationship is messed up that we're choosing to please over trust. Now, I'm telling you this morning, you got to choose to trust over please. want to be pleased. I need somebody to make me happy. What you bring to the table? Watch this. You're going to let hope into your relationships? You must choose to trust rather than please. Here's the problem with pleasing. Trying to please everybody. Trying to please people. Pleasing leads to behavior modification that never lasts. Pleasing leads to behavior modification that never lasts. What do you mean, Pastor? Um, you mad at me. You're upset with me. So to please you, so that you don't have an attitude no more, I just do what you ask me to do. Now. But I really don't see what you're upset about as a problem. So after a while, I'm going to get tired of pleasing you and go back to my own ways. All I did was behavior modification for a moment, but there was no real change that happened. So if I'm going to let hope back into the relationship, I'm talking about relationship. What did I say hope was? That, that we were called to this? It wasn't a hookup. When some I put together and say, God bless. No, this is what God put together. Watch this. I, even friendships. Choose to trust rather than to please. Okay. Pastor, but, you know, you're supposed to please your partner. You're supposed to please your friend. Watch this. Here we go. Once pleasing leads to behavior modification, you know what happens? Pleasing actually leads to slavery. Too strong for y'all? <laughs> Why? Here we go. Because living for acceptance and love is slavery, but living from acceptance and love is freedom. <laughs> the problem is some of you are living for love and acceptance when you need to be living from love and acceptance. In other words, if you don't love me and you don't accept me, I still feel all right. Because I wasn't living for your love and your acceptance. I was living from a place where I was already at. So I didn't need you to give it to me for it to define who I am. That's who I was when I met you. God help me. And the problem is there's too many of us that's getting in relationships because we're looking for somebody to give us love and acceptance. The only problem is when they take it away, then you go through a six-month depression about who walked out. The devil is a liar. See, when God, when you get to a place that you got love and acceptance already wrapped up on the inside of you, I don't need your love and acceptance. I might hurt. I might cry. I might be frustrated. But I ain't going to break down and give up. Tell me I want to take my life. The devil is a liar. I had love before I met you. And I I had acceptance before I met you. So I'm coming from a place of love and not to or trying to get to for a place of love. If you never give it to me, I'm still all right. So I choose to trust over please. That's heavy, isn't it? Um, let me do this. Uh, where's Deacon Matthew? Where's Deacon Matthew? Come here, Deacon Matthew. Come here, Jamie. Amen. Y'all going to be my examples this morning. Amen. All right. Y'all my examples this morning. All right. I, I got to show you this another way. Come on, bring it here. Bring it here. All right. Deacon Matthew, y'all come up here. And uh, 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 Deaconess Jamie, um, <laughs> um, when you got married, um, yeah, she good. <laughs> um, when you got married, take the essence, very evident, and tie it to yourself. What happens is, Watch this. In any relationship, you get tied to each other. But God put
Do you know that when you try to please rather than trust because we have a dangerous mentality, the dangerous mentality when we try to please rather than trust, hear this, I need y'all to really hear this. The dangerous mentality is that you get to a place when you try to please people. So if you know uh, Jamie liked flowers on Valentine's Day, right, then what ends up happening is 10 years you get her the same flowers. Because, you know what happened? Watch this. Because when I choose to please over trust, I, I, I create a mentality that says, I've already figured you out. Is this helping anybody? Okay. So what it does is, it puts you in a space where you think you know the person already. As if a person never changes. How many can say when you was a child, there's certain things that you love that you absolutely cannot stand to now? Why? Because people change, right? So when I choose to please you over trust, watch this, now it leads me to believe that I got you all figured out. I know what you want before you even ask. So I start giving you what I think you want without even asking you. Because I'm trying to please you. So you get the same flowers for 15 years. How long y'all been married? 11 years. So, uh, uh, <laughs> you, saw, you saw that? Oh, praise the Lord. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, they've been married 11 years. So, you get the same flowers for the last eight years. Same 12, red, dozen, roses. Now, your economic status when you first got married is different from where you are now. But you still get them same 12 flowers. Because what happens is, Deke think he got Jamie figured out already. So if I give them what I think they want, then watch this, everything should be all right. And your disappointment deepens when the assumptions are extended. This is dangerous because assuming we got them already figured out doesn't give them room to make mistakes. Y'all real quiet on me this morning. It's too, too, it's too deep for y'all. So now, since I got you all figured out, now there's no room for mistakes. Because I assume that's what you want. Watch this. Watch this. Um, so when I choose to trust rather than please, watch this. Um, what trusting does over pleasing is now it gives honor to the relationship. I'm going to talk about honor and I'm done. When you bring honor into a relationship, it means I respect you on a whole nother level. It means I don't see you in just one light. I see you in the light of who you shall be. Okay. When I honor you, let me help you. Let me help you. Ladies, more than anything, more than anything, I know you think that all men, all they want is sex. Let me, let me, let me bust that bubble for you. Okay. Let me bust that bubble. Next to that. Next to that, you know what men want? Honor. Honor. We want to be seen in your eyes as somebody that has significance and value. And whatever you honor, whatever you think is significant and has value, you place honor on it. Remember when you used to have a china cabinet back in the day? You couldn't touch them dishes for nothing. They were held in high esteem and honor. And even if they were brought out, you had, to, you had to take care of them with care. Let me use my Brillo pad on them dishes. You know, lost your mind? Scraping up my dishes. Because when you place honor on something, you lift it up to a place that's higher than what you do for everybody else. So here's what happens. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. When I choose the honor over please, you know what ends up happening? I want y'all to watch this. Lord showed this to me. Jamie, he think he know you. You got them 12 roses. But next year, he noticed 
that when somebody had some white flowers, it did something to you. So because he honored you and he paid attention, next year he sends you 12 white roses instead of the red one. Jamie says, oh, you're trying to switch it up. Okay. All right. I like that. You know what honor does? Watch this. Take one step. It binds you even closer. Stick with this. Jamie notices that you like a clean car. One day she gets up early and surprises you, takes it to go get it clean and washed so that you get in and you be wondering, what just happened? How to get this clean? You call her to find out. She said, oh, I just wanted to wash, get your car washed for you, so I took care of it. And because that, that meant something to you and it started to mean something to her, honor then pulls them even closer together. Watch this. You go in opposite directions when you choose to please over honoring each other. Here we go. Now turn around and go the other way. So, uh-uh, come back, come back, come back, come back. Tie yourself back, tie yourself back. She's trying to leave you, she's trying to leave you. He said, where are you going? Because he's going to follow, he's going to follow. Watch this. So now, here's what happens with dishonor. I'm going to go here. When you dishonor, you think you got somebody figured out. So now you think all they need is sex on a birthday and Valentine's Day and special holidays. And what happens is that creates dishonor in the relationship because you don't value me beyond a special holiday. So what happens? Take a step in the opposite direction. Take a step. Now dishonor is now pulling you apart. Watch this. God, I'm trying to help somebody. Is this helping anybody? See, when I honor you, honor gives grace and forgiveness in areas that you would know that you usually would not give if there was no honor there. Honor gives you room, hear this, to live out the future before it even arrives. So when I honor you, it brings hope back into the relationship. It says, I ain't got you all figured out yet. And I probably never will get you all figured out. So instead of you playing, playing you cheap and playing you close as if I know who you are and I know what you want, I'm going to honor you by paying attention. I'm going to build you up in areas where you torn down. Watch everybody else dishonor you. I'm going to honor you. Oh, you don't see this in any, any other place because you're still stuck in a relationship. How is it? that you let people dishonor your own church. What do you respect it as? Where do you place the value at? Mm -hmm. How about your friendships? Where you the friend that that one called to talk about that other one, and then that other friend called you to talk about the other one, and then you stuck in the middle, and, and you calling that honor? Honor should have said, y'all leave me out this. You got her number, call him. You got his number, call him. Because honor places value in, a pla in, in an area that it will never be. Anybody finna talk about my family? Y'all ain't hear me. Because when you live by the honor code, you can't disrespect what I place value on. Even if I'm mad at him. I could be mad at him. You can't say nothing to, to me about that. Because I place value, I place honor on that. Watch this. Say, I'm done. I'm done. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. I thought I wasn't going to get to this. Here's my last point. Watch this. Choose to free people rather than hurt people. You want to talk about how to let hope in? Choose to free them than hurt them. Okay, y'all turn back around. Turn back around. Watch this. Betrayal is not just being hurt by somebody. It's being hurt by somebody you thought you could count on. See the difference? Okay. And hate is our natural response to any, any deep and unfair pain. Can I tell you something? Y'all don't like that word hate, but do you know we do it more than we realize? 
I know it makes you seem like you're such an awful person, but the reality is there are many of us who have walked in hate. So much so that some of you in here need to break up with people who broke up with you a long time ago. <laughs> Here's what happened. Here's how honor works in this. Um, Jamie does something that hurt Deacon Matthew Hart. He's disappointed in Jamie. Watch this. Now, because you see her differently, because your expectation was let down, you have two choices. Either you can hurt her back or free her from the offense. Now, hurting her back all only, only turns you in the opposite direction, and now you walk it in two separate ways. But here's what happens with forgiveness. As you forgive Jamie, you will start to see her differently. Do you know sometimes you don't forgive someone for their sake, you do it for your own freedom? Ooh, I need to take a pause right there. Is there anybody in here that say, there's some people that didn't deserve my forgiveness, didn't ask for my forgiveness, but I did it for my own freedom. I needed to be free from it. And I just say, you know what? Forgive you, because I'm not going to sit up here and be bound by this any longer. Honey, I'm just walking forgiveness. And it don't even bother you no more. Watch this. Here's the problem. Here's what we need to see in relationships. As long as you keep honoring each other, you'll start to see each other in a different light. Yes, you hurt me, but I'm not going to hurt you back. I'm going to free you. Here's what happens. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, forgiveness takes a long time. I know sometimes in church we think it's microwavable and you can just, you know. Sometimes forgiveness takes a long time. Sometimes it takes so long you can't actually remember when you did it. You don't remember when it happened. You just looked up one day and say, oh, I guess I'm over that. But what happens is when forgiveness is in the play and you start to honor each other, you say, Jamie, I was hurt by what you did. That hurt me because here's the reasons why. What is the agreement that we're going to have moving forward? And you come to, two, come to an agreement about how you're going to move this forward. The question needs to become, how do we honor each other in a way that we can come back together in closeness? And if that is a conversation that needs to happen before, let's say Jamie went out shopping and didn't tell you. <laughs> Spent up a bunch of money that you had plans for. <laughs> and you like, I can't believe you did this. You said you weren't going to do this no more. Watch this. How does she honor you? Jamie now, instead of just buying what she wants, she now calls you and says, hey, I see such and such. Is it cool that I get it? Now, the fact that you got, you got it marked for something else, but because you love the fact that she honored you so much with just a phone, phone call, you say, yeah, it's all right. You could do it. And what happens? Honor brings you closer again. You all see how that happens? See, I'm trying to get your mind out of the bedroom because that's all you think relationships are. We need to understand that relationship is spelled W-O-R-K. Work. And it takes a lot of honoring one another in order for that work to happen. God is saying we got to honor one another. My wife, um, Jamie, a year later, see a purse that she see. Cost her, you know, a couple of, you know. Watch this, watch this. And Jamie has been sticking to the honor code that y'all have set up together. Okay? This time, she didn't call you. But the three other times, she did. When that happens, it should not reset you all the way back to where you were. See, I'm trying to get y'all to hold on a little longer. What happens in these moments, reach out your hand. You have to catch Jamie and say, Jamie, we talked about this. We agreed upon this. Am I clear on our agreement? Now, Jamie feeling bad. 
She got that purse, but she feeling bad. But the fact that he reached out his hand instead of turning his back and walking the other direction now brings her closer to him because now she sees that honor is going both ways. God, I want y'all to see this. It's just not I honor you because I'm calling you to tell you now you're honoring me because even you gave me room to make the mistake. God, help me. And God is saying when you understand that honor gives room to make mistakes, you don't give up on people so quickly and so easily and throw them away and walk away from them. You hold on in the midst of it because I'm honoring you and you're honoring me and we're going to make it together. Everybody's standing, I'm done. Everybody's standing, I'm done. Thank y'all. See, it means I'm choosing to free you than to hurt you. And that's what God is calling you to do. Honor one another. Honor one another. Can I tell you something? Even when you fall out with people in the church, honor one another. Don't, don't. Don't sit up here and create more gaps between honor one another. Sometimes honor says, I don't like how you said what you said to me, Ava. But because I love you, we're going to move beyond this point. And I'm not going to look at you side eye every time, I, every time I see you. There ain't no honor. That's dishonor. God is saying, if you want the relationship to have hope, learn how to bring honor back into it. Respect the relationship for what it is. Did you get something out of this on today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for your word. We bless you and honor you for all that you have spoken in this house. God, raise us to another level of honor. God, don't allow us to put people in a box any longer. Don't let us think that we got everybody figured out. We don't understand everybody's pain. We don't understand everybody's past. But God, let us show honor to one another. It's my brother, it's my sister, it's my husband, it's my wife, it's my children, it's my family, God. Restore the honor in all our relationships. And even when sometimes honoring them hurts, we're choosing to trust over please. We thank you now and we bless you. About it right close. If you don't know Jesus for yourself, if you're unsure of your salvation, I'm going to count to three. I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, I want to surrender my heart to the Lord on today. I want to give him my heart. This is my moment. This is my time to surrender myself to God. I have to give him all of me, not a part of me, not a piece of me, but all of me. To be saved means to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. It's a done deal. You don't have to shout, you don't have to roll on the floor, you don't have to speak in tongues. All you have to do is surrender your heart to him, but it's a confession that you have to make. This is your moment. This is your time, my brother, my sister. Surrender your heart to the Lord. Secondly, if you're looking for a church home, there's no greater place than right here at Cleveland, a place you can grow and mature in God. So for whichever reason, if it's surrender your heart to the Lord, if it's to join this church, I'm going to count to three. All I need you to do is lift your hand and say, Pastor, it's me. I need to make this decision on today. This is my moment. God is calling me. Come on, let's do it. One, he loves you, my brother. He loves you, my sister. Two, this is your time. This is your moment. Don't let this pass you by. Come on, let's do it. If I'm talking to you, surrender your life to the Lord. Or to join this church, I need you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hand if I'm talking to you. Lift your hand if I'm talking to you. Don't leave here the same way that you came. Lift your hand if I'm talking to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, heads up, eyes open. Come on, let's give God praise for the word on today. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord as we get ready to give at this time, as we get ready to give. Amen. Was that not a good word? Amen. I'm sticking, I'm staying, and I'm standing. I'm choosing to transform instead of transfer. I'm choosing to be okay with not being okay. I'm choosing to trust rather than to please, and I'm choosing to free other people from their hurt. Amen. That was a good word. Now we come to the part of worship where it's time for us to give. Amen. Not to get quiet, but it's still a part of worship. Amen. 
this is our reasonable sacrifice. So if you look up the monitors, we'll have our text to give number. If you don't have it, it is 904-647-4374. The text to give number is 904-647-4374. Let's go to our tithers creed. And let's read. I'm a tither and a giver. I know that when I give, my faith is activated, my love is demonstrated, and the vision is supported. Because of my obedience, windows, doors, and gates are open for me. I am blessed beyond measure. I walk in favor. Increase and overflow is my norm. And the devourer is rebuked in Jesus' name. Amen. Serve the people of God. Please pay attention to both announcements, both monitors for the announcements. What's going on, Freedom? I'm Inga Arika, and this is your What's Happening News here at Freedom. So keep your eyes and ears open to what's going on. This Wednesday, we're continuing in our series, Love Is, but we're switching it up and having our marriage summit at 7 p.m. So you want to come with questions and an open heart. All the single people, all the single people, put your hands up. Wednesday, February 27th, we will have a single summit on how to love, how to be loved, and how to love yourself successfully. Well, you guys, it's Black History Month, and our youth are working hard on a production to present to you on February 24th, Sunday, February 24th. So we're asking if you guys will wear your ethnic attire if you have it. Remember to subscribe and listen out for our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and also on our website at www.tfcj.org sermon. March is slowly approaching, and we'll be talking about flaws and how to embrace them with a new series entitled Flawsome, so you want to check out our promo. You care about what they say? Like you really care about what they say? Yeah, stress got a pimple or two on your face. Crooked smile, but do your breath stink? Weight fluctuates, hair don't always cooperate, but it's those very flaws that you got to appreciate. See, you were made in his image, so you were made great, even if you don't have a little model waist. See, you all that and then some. Yeah, girl, you floss. Well, that's it, Freedom. Thank you to our first-time visitors, and don't forget to stop by Cafe 51 for our delicious treats. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, give a round of applause for our media ministry. They always do a phenomenal job. Um, can everybody stand so we can get ready to dismiss out? Please bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you, Father God, for the word that we received today, Father God. It was so anointed, Father God. Um, I just thank our pastor, God, for everything that he does for us, God, and the teachings that he does, Father God. Um, God, thank you for who you are, God. Thank you for bringing us here, Father God, that we may be here to serve you again, Father God, and that you may be here to let us hear you, Father God. Um, just, just thank you. I just thank everybody that, that comes out to our Mount of Conversation service and worries, God, um, that every, there are people here that, that, that could have been anywhere else. We could have been doing anything else, but we decided 